Uh, you might remember a few years ago, it was all the rage to create a social media presence. And so I was quite aggressive with my Facebook and Twitter posts. I would post every day, in fact, sometimes a few times a day. And I had lots of friends. And those friends gave me lots of likes of what I said. And I can't say I know exactly or precisely what led to it, but I did give up. It seemed the whole time very one-dimensional. And now I retweet something every now and then, but I don't post And what might be a horrible portent for Facebook is that I can't remember the last time I logged into my Facebook page. I mean, after all, I'm a rabbi, so just how exciting do you think my posts can be anyway? But that changed about two weeks ago. There I was sitting at my desk, taking a pause between emails and phone calls when I took a look at my Twitter feed. One of the feeds that I follow is from the Auschwitz Memorial Museum. And they tweeted out a correction to a Jewish newspaper that they should not call Auschwitz-Birkenau a Polish concentration camp, but a German Nazi one. Now, I know I told you that I don't post a tweet anymore, but I grabbed my phone and typed this out. Quote, Please consider this issue to be far from black-white fact or fiction. Yes, it was a German extermination and labor camp. But Auschwitz-Birkenau's function and, quote, success speaks of a complicity between the military occupiers and the local civilian population. My phone, as they would say in modern terms, blew up. Of the more than 20,000 impressions that my tweet generated, the overwhelming vast majority of the responses were not kind accusing me of inaccuracies, ignorance, anti-Polinism, yes, that's a word, and much more in the range of items that I will not repeat at this moment. In hindsight, what I walked into was an ongoing battle by the current right-wing Polish government to reassess and reorient attitudes about Polish anti-Jewish activity during the Second World War and with the Auschwitz Museum, which is not an independent organization, but under the auspices of the Polish government, with them working assiduously on Twitter and elsewhere challenging people who call Auschwitz and other camps Polish concentration camps. And the truth is, they're right. Auschwitz, Chemno, Treblinka, Belzic, and others were built by Nazis and not by Poles. They were staffed and run by Nazis and not by Poles. Auschwitz in particular began as a concentration camp to house Poles who were deemed problematic to the Nazi regime. In fact, the history of Auschwitz contains the notable resistance history of Poles such as Witold Pilecki and the moral resistance of Father Maximilian Kolbe. Native Poles were targeted and murdered by the Nazis who classified them as racially inferior to Germans. The largest number of the righteous are in fact Poles, recognized in the Garden of the Righteous at Yad Vashem. And Jews do not believe in collective guilt. Poles are not collectively guilty. Like Germans are not collectively guilty. The people who live in Poland today were not involved in the war because they were not alive during the war. 
And so this discussion is not about them. But it is about Poland at that time. What ensued on Twitter was an argument primarily between myself and the Auschwitz Memorial Museum about the role of the Poles during the war. They argued that no Poles were involved in Auschwitz. But the real discussion was on a completely different plane. And that's because they were talking about Auschwitz only. But today Auschwitz is not only a museum and a monument. Auschwitz is the symbol of the Holocaust. And it is here where things got dark and very wrong. The museum was focused on talking about Auschwitz in particular, but the real conversation in the minds of the tens of thousands of people reading the tweets was actually about the Holocaust in its entirety. Their denial, the museum's denial of Polish complicity in Auschwitz, which for the record is not definitive, and there is scholarly and biographical material contesting their position, was seen by many as a larger argument about Polish complicity in the Shoah and the Holocaust itself, which is an echoing of the firestorm created by the Polish government's law to make it a crime punishable with up to three years in prison of anyone who accuses Poland of working with Nazis to murder Jews. Three years in prison. As recently as last week, Israel's foreign minister, Yisrael Katz, was excoriated for saying that Poles were accomplices with the Nazis in murdering Jews. Poland protested by canceling its participation in a conference because Israel was also in attendance. And they reiterated that the Polish government had not collaborated with Germans. The problem for them is what accounted for the Polish government during the war was not situated in Poland. It was in London. So permit me a few thoughts. Before the war, Jews were not equal citizens of Poland. They were not Poles. In the mid-1930s, Poland had enacted a number of laws reducing Jewish liberty and autonomy, similar in some ways to the Nuremberg Laws. Some Polish leaders, publicly legislators, publicly contemplated the mass resettlement of Jews who lived in Poland to outside of Poland. In other words, just like the Nazis mulled plans to expel Jews to Madagascar and to Palestine, Poland complicated to do the same to get rid of their Jewish problem. According to the Polish historian Jan Grabowski, at least 300,000 Jews were murdered by Poles outside of the camps during the war. And this does not account for the many, many thousands who were bribed and extorted, blackmailed, raped and abused of Jews who came to them for help. According to Walter Lacure, Poles were involved in the mechanism of Auschwitz. According to Jan Gross, Poles initiated actions against Jews that had left the Waffen-FS in shock. Of Poland's 34 million who lived in the border before the war, 6 million of those who lived in those borders were murdered by Nazis. Half of them were Jews. Which is to say that the kill rate for a non-Jewish Pole was 7%. But for the Jews, it was 90. 
Nine out of ten Jews who lived in Poland in 1939 did not survive that war. And in the final round of Twitter tweets between me and the museum, which are all online if you wish to see, I posted a lengthy reply to their criticism and comments with references and footnotes was them telling me, because I don't read Polish, that I cannot have an accurate picture of the history of the Shoah or Poland. The problem is that there are historians who do read Polish, and the story that they tell about Poland and the Shoah is far more complicated than what the Auschwitz Memorial Museum talks about. Because there is something beyond history. And we know it is that thing that Jews carry within themselves. So permit me on this morning to reference something that is near and dear to us. As we are celebrating the dedication of an Aftorah scroll inspired by the love of our Chazan and supported by the contributions and efforts of this beautiful congregation, it was envisioned to bring the same beauty and sanctity that the Torah has to the Haftorah readings. For the uninitiated, the Torah readings are from the scroll that contains the five books of Moses. The Haftarah, not Haftorah, as it is said in Yiddish, but Haftarah, are a series of weekly readings from which the writings of the other books of the Bible are read, but not from the Torah itself. And why do we do this? Because 2,100 years ago, when the Greeks invaded the land of Israel, in order to suppress Jewish identity, they prohibited the reading of the Torah publicly. And the Jews then began to scour the other biblical books for messages that echoed, that echoed the message the Torah would have had for that day. And they read them publicly instead. In time, the invading Greeks disappeared into history. But the reading of the, of the Haftorah did not. Today, we freely read the Torah but we still read the Haftarah as well, and the question is, why do we? Maybe it should have been a one-time measure where once the problem was gone, it should have been gone too. But the Jews, with a passion that can only be as something described as near divine, the Jews are commanded both by God and by those who have come before us to do one thing above all others. Lo tishkach, you shall not forget. Which is not a command to write history. It's a command to remember. That we remember. And those who come after us remember too. Our question for this morning is we know the history of Poland. We remember what was done. But is there something we can rem remember to remind us that there was another way. We'll continue first with prayer and music and then some more thoughts from me. Please rise on page 368. So I had uh, left you with a question before and I have to answer it. The question that I left you with was, was there another way for people to act during the war? Many of the responses that I heard from Twitter were excuses that people couldn't defy the Nazi regime because of the danger that it put themselves into. And so we're only talking in this regard to people who either 
actively were complicitous, or maybe people just stood and watched, but they couldn't resist. But there is something for us to remember that indicts the entire continent of people who did something else. Now this comes in France. France had a, a Nazi collaborative government uh, led by Pétain. It was called the Vichy government. And in 1942, in the summer, they led an action that had gathered 12,000 Jews in France and collected them in the velodrome before, in horrific conditions, before separating families, eventually deporting them off to Auschwitz. As news of these actions began to spread throughout France, French Jews were looking for somewhere to run. And quiet word came to them that in southern France, that there was a town called Le Chambon that was housing and hiding Jews. Quakers from Marseille would truck them into this town. When word came to the Vichy government that this area was hiding Jews, the local governor of the area, his name was George Lamoran, he came to the town and sent them a note and said that he will be coming soon and he expects them to have a parade for him. He was going to set up a local a local network of Hitler youth programs in the area to indoctrinate the children. He wanted a parade, he wanted a lunch, and then he wanted an assembly. In the summer of 1942 in August, George Lamoran comes with his entourage of cars up to Le Chambon. He's wearing this beautiful marine blue uniform. And as he drives through the town, no one is there. When he demands that the church bells be rung for him, the pastor says, those bells only ring for God. He arrives at the lunch. The food, by all reports, was cold and terrible. And finally, at the assembly, everyone is sitting there quietly. One of the townsfolk comes up and reads from the book of Romans in the Christian Bible that says that kindness to each other is the greatest of all God's commands. And then, he, and then one of the children of the town comes up and presents him with a letter. And I want to read it to you. This is what their letter said. Mr. Minister, we have learned of the frightening scenes which took place three weeks ago in Paris with the French police on orders of the occupying German power arrested in their homes all the Jewish families in Paris to hold them in the Veldehive. Fathers were torn from their families and sent to Germany. Children were torn from their mothers who went and went the same fate as their husbands. And we are afraid that the measures of deportation of the Jews will soon be applied in our area as well. We feel obliged to tell you that there are amongst us a certain number of Jews. But we make no distinction between Jews and non-Jews. It is contrary to our gospel teachings. If our comrades, whose only fault is to be born into another religion, receive the order to let themselves be deported or even examined, they would disobey the order received, and we would try to hide them as best as we could. We have Jews, the children went on to say, and you're not getting them. It is that kind of kindness that we remember, a searing kindness that condemns everyone who didn't do otherwise. Shabbat Shalom.